that is our song in everything blessed be the name of the Lord in all things blessed be the name of the Lord when I feel good when I don't feel good blessed be the name of the Lord is that all right I hope that's all right because that's my story I'm sticking to it and when I and when I lose my mind pray for me so I'll get back to it because it happens amen I'm just trying to tell you Oh, thank you, praise you. Thank you so much for leading us and singing and worship. Thank you, trumpet player. <laughs> you know how hard it is to blow a trumpet? Yeah, that tight lip thing, man. I, I used to play trombone when I was a kid, and I tried trumpet. I mean, really? You are, appreciate you, Doc. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He understands. Well, we're back to John chapter 8, and let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Some of us need that joy a little bit more right now. Those who've came down for prayer, those who are grieving. We think of our sister, Michelle, and we think of our brother, Tim, and we've lost loved ones. Oh, God, will you encourage them and strengthen them? Thank you for my shell leading us in worship earlier, even though I know her heart is heavy. Only you can do that. Even when our hearts are heavy, we still say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Only you can help us do that. And even now, there's some in this room who need that help. So please, comfort ye your people so that, Lord, we cry out, glory to God, glory in the highest. Come what may, glory to God. May Jesus Christ be praised. So help us, Lord. We need you. Dark world, but your light is shining. May we walk in the light. Give us eyes to see the light. Walk worthy of the great name of Jesus. To that end, we pray that your word would go forth now with your power through your unworthy servant. May it be evident that it is you at work and not merely him. And may all who hear this message, all in this room and who may hear it otherwise, Lord, may they hear the voice of Jesus and may they be drawn to him. So come now, Holy Spirit, fill us and fill this place. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Amen. John chapter 8, beginning at verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And the slave does not remain in a house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. 
the Negro spirituals that have now can become classic music uh, are music born of the pain and the suffering of African Americans in this nation. They, this music gave hope and gives hope and insight to all who trust in Christ. Gives insight on how people can deal with their pain. The pain of this life. And there is pain. Blessing and glory and majesty and beauty. But yes, as you know, there is pain. There's much good theology in these songs. And last week I began my message with the reading of the Negro spiritual from which the title of my message has come in this section of scripture, O Freedom. Uh, this week I want to turn to one that Dr. King quoted and kind of brought back to some prominence, I guess, when he gave his I Have a Dream speech. If you remember that speech, you remember he talks about free at last. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard the Negro, Negro spiritual, but let, allow me to just read the words to you. You remember this. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty. Free at last. But do you know this part? Oh, remember the day. I remember it well. My dungeon shook and my chain fell off. I know my Lord is a man of war. He fought my battle at hell's dark door. Satan thought he had me fast. I broke his chain and got free at last. Satan's mad and I'm glad. I hope to God to keep him mad. You can hinder me here, but you can't hinder me there. The Lord in heaven's going to answer my prayer. I went in the valley, but I didn't go to stay. My soul got happy, and I stayed all day. Oh, this ain't all. I got more besides. I've been born of God. I've been baptized. <laughs> right in the devil's face. How do you sing of freedom when you live in bondage? You have to recognize there's a greater freedom that you need and that you have. A greater freedom that will give you strength to deal with all the hardships of life. There's a greater freedom. And that freedom is only given through the love and cross and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I got a question for you. Are you walking and rejoicing in your freedom, Christian? Or are you living in the dungeon of bondage? One or the other. Maybe a little bit of both sometimes. Are you walking in freedom? Or are you in a dungeon? Last week we saw what, I'm, what I began calling uh, steps, two of the three steps to freedom from our greatest enemy as human beings. And our greatest enemy is not one another. 
Our greatest enemy is our rebellion against God. Our greatest enemy is in us. We call it sin. And we saw that abiding in Christ's word, as we abide in his word, it leads. These are step one, abiding. Step two, leads to embracing our new identity as disciples. And there's one more thing it does. That abiding leads us to have a greater understanding of truth. Notice what Jesus says in verses 32 and 33. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth. And we've been looking at truth throughout this great letter of John. I mean, it's one of the key themes in his writings in, in, in John and in, and in First John, I believe. But certainly in John, we saw in chapter 1, chapter 4, chapter 5, even in chapter 8, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. We saw once again, John keeps coming back to truth. Our Lord Jesus will later pray in the same book in, in what's called his high priestly prayer, what I call the true Lord's Prayer. The longest prayer our Lord ever uttered that we have a record of is in John 17. And in John 17, 17, he says, sanctify, he's talking to the Father, sanctify them, my disciples, in the truth. Your word is truth. Truth is reality. It's the way things really are. And as the light of the world, Jesus brings the truth about God and about creation. And since you're a part of creation, he brings the truth about you. He wants you to see it. And as we've seen, his words then give us truth that we need to know so as to please God. Because that's what happens when his truth impacts you and the center of his truth is the gospel the good news about what he would accomplish for all those who trust in him when that impacts your life you find that now you want to please him you you want to do what God says remember Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 through 10 he says for at one time Paul talking for at one time you were darkness Not that you only lived in darkness. He said before Jesus got hold of you, you actually were darkness. But now in Christ, the gospel has come, truth has come, you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. Live your life as light, he's saying. For the fruit of light, here's what it should look like, is is in all that is good and right and true. And then he says this wonderful phrase, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That's what happens when truth hits you. When the truth of Christ gets a hold of you, you, you wanna, you wanna please Jesus. You wanna please God. You want, you, as it were, you wanna make him smile, as it were. As those who know the truth, this becomes the major goal of our lives. Finding and doing what pleases him. But you know we're in a fight, aren't we? Because here's the thing. Our culture tells us to focus on what pleases us. And yet Paul is saying that when the gospel, when the truth of Christ hits us, we want to focus on what pleases God. So what's happening is, in this, we are swimming upstream like salmon. The current 
is always rushing on you to please yourself. And yet the word, but that the spirit of God is at work in you to push you the other direction to focus on how can I please the Lord today? I came across a blogger and I know I'm pronouncing his name wrong, so if you know, forgive me. Nitin Namdio. Nitin Namdio. He's an um, uh, Indian inspiration. He's considered a positivity and inspirational blogger. He says, he has an interesting little line he has on, on his site. You have your own life. Why waste it to focus on what pleases others? You have your own life, he's telling people, to inspire us. Why waste it on focusing on pleasing others? And yet Jesus comes and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all of your soul, with all your strength. And the second commandment is like it. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And yet we're being told, and this is inspirational, teaching. Please yourself. You have your own life. Focus on you. Crazy, huh? Even our, the good thing is even our culture fights back against that. The good, here's psychology today. If you read that magazine on occasion, I pick it up from time to time. It repeatedly talks about happiness and, and how we should pursue happiness as human beings. And guess what it says? Hap- happiness involves creating strong relationships and helping others. Thank you, psychology today. And yet our blogger tells us, and so many quotes like this, so many. You'll be surprised. This is what's on the internet. You have your own life. Do you, baby. What pleases the Lord most? What do you think pleases the Lord most? You know what it is. Faith in the Son. What is that plea that makes the Father smile when you trust Jesus? Hebrews reminded us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. What pleases God most is that we trust Jesus. He sent him for us. He gave, for the Father gave the Son to us. And he says, now, what's going to make me happy, as it were? What's going to make me smile? Because, man, this is our Father. What makes, what puts a smile on our Father's face? When you, his children, trust the Son. When you, when we, his children, believe in the truth that his son continues to pour out for us. That's why we must, that's why Jesus said, you must know the truth. He isn't just talking intellectually know the truth. Amen. If you don't know it intellectually, you don't understand it at all. You so yes, we have to use our brain, our mind. Yes, most definitely. But the word know there is bigger than that in our text. It is an experiential knowledge, not just a doctrinal knowledge. It's experiential. Why do we say that? Because Jesus is a person. 
And therefore, he, he means for us to experience him. Truth is an experience with the Son. Go with me for a minute. Just stay, just let your imagination go with me for a minute. The truth is like living in a dark cave all your life. I don't know how old each one of you are, but I'll be 59 in a couple of months. So I'm going to use me. I've been living in a dark cave for 59 years. You put your number in. Never seen the sun. Your eyes only see the darkness. And you know what happens when that's true, right? Your eyes become accustomed to the darkness. You're living in this cave and it's so dark you can't even see the walls. It's that dark. But you know every inch of that cave because you've been in it for years. Whether it's 12 years for you or 10 years or 20 or whatever. You've been in that cave all those years. So you know the cave. You can get around in that cave quite well, but you've just never seen it. It's pitch dark. You don't know what even the rocks look like, but you can feel them. And you know every rock in that cave because that's where you've been. But you're still in the dark. You, you don't even know for sure that there's even life outside your cave. You've never been out of it. Now, you, you've heard sounds outside your cave, right? You've, you've, you know, you, you've heard sounds and you've heard, you didn't know this, but you heard voices. Because you've never met anybody else. And so it's just you in that cave. You've heard sounds and, and, and from time to time, but you didn't understand what was going on. The dark is all you know. But then some guy enters your cave. He finds his way in somehow. And he convinces you after a period of time to walk with him. And as you walk with him, he takes you out of the cave to the surface. And when you get to the surface, you see the beauty of light. You see the sun for the first time. You see the sky, and it's a beautiful blue sky, and a few fluffy white things floating around up there. Oh yeah, we, you learn that they're called clouds. And, and you're blown away. You're seeing nature. Oh, what is that? That's a tree. Oh my gosh, a tree. And you, 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 you go over and you hug the tree. It's probably a palm tree. Those are my favorite. And, and, and you, and you're just enjoying this, this, the green stuff on the ground. See, in your cave, there's no grass, just dirt. So you're like, that's, Ooh, it feels good. You're walking barefoot. Ooh, this is good. You're loving it. Grass, and you know, it's, and you can walk on it. So it's not a lawn, it's grass. You know, I hate people that don't walk on my grass. It's, it's made to walk on. You're out there just enjoying this experience, and you, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, it gets dark, and stars come out, and the moon, and you're like, wow, 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 and you're seeing animals and creatures you've never seen before. You're experiencing light. You know light now. And it's mind-boggling. It's exciting. It's, it's a whole new world. It's always been there. You just never saw it. And now you do. And the this being says, this person says, 
keep hanging out with me and you become a light walker. You're walking in the light with this guy who's your guide and he's helping you understand everything. He's explaining stuff to you and he's walking with you and it's beautiful. But Pastor Billy, there's a problem. You still have a little bit of cave dweller in you. You're in that cave a long time. And there's a little bit of cave dweller still attached to you. And so what happens is, as you're walking in the light with this wonderful person who's guiding you through everything, explaining life to you, you find that sometimes walking, as you're walking, storms come. Thunderstorms. Hurricanes. God forbid you're in California. Earthquake. And you're finding that sometimes you're walking and, and though you're in the light, but you're with this, and you're with this guy, yet stuff gets hard. You, 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 you trip and you, and you have to watch where you're going and, and, and then you discover something called illness. Cause it was just you and your germs in the cave. Now you got everybody's germs. <laughs> COVID of all things. And you, and you, and it's just difficult. And, and what happens? You know what happens when, to this guy, when he's walking in the light and hardship comes, he begins to look back toward the cave. Because in the cave, see, he didn't have any problems. <laughs> he was blind as a bat, but he didn't know it, but he was, but he didn't have no problems. He, he started looking back, saying, hmm, that cave sure seemed a little safer than this. Hurricanes and thunderstorms and COVID. I mean, what the, why am I out here? And he, he begins looking over his shoulder. And when he looks over his shoulder, he can't see where he's walking. He falls down. Let's call that sin. He falls down. He reminds me of the Israelites. <laughs> you know, I want to go back to Egypt. <laughs> it's, it's tough out here. We're the water. I want a Big Mac, dog. I mean, you want, you keep giving me this manna. I have Big Macs and chicken nuggets in Egypt. Egypt looking pretty good. That's why our light walker is thinking that cave might be safer. And maybe, just maybe, just maybe, he starts heading back toward the cave. <laughs> he, 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 he thinks the light, the guy with him doesn't see him. See, he, 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 he waits till the, he walks around the corner and he sneaks off and he's heading back toward the cave. But here's the thing. Rachel, here's the thing. His guy loves him so much, he won't let him go back to the cave. He cuts him off. He catches up. Hey, where you going, son? Hey, he, he grabs him and we call that Repentance. Right? He, 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 come on, keep on coming. And he's looking, come on. And he begins to keep. Here's the thing. Even when he travels backwards, even when he trips and falls, he's still walking in the light. He's still in the light. He's not in the cave. He's in the light. That's what happens when the truth of Christ hits you. Jesus comes into the dark. To bring you out, Charlie. He brings you out. And he's going to keep you with him. And he's going to keep showing you. You thought you knew your world. You thought you knew all there was to know. Super genius that you are. But you were in the dark. 
with meaning, meaning you didn't know squat. <laughs> you didn't know anything. In our spiritual darkness, we think we know, but we don't know. When Jesus brings us into the light, all of a sudden, the world opens up. Did, did you the whole create everything opens up. Now you begin to realize, oh my gosh, that's why I'm here. Oh, that's that's who did all of this. But you begin to see everything in the light. And the truth gives you freedom. You're knowing the truth. Your guide. He happens to be the truth. And he's showing you more and more of the truth. And if you keep walking with him, you will learn, you will continue to learn more and more of the truth. Because you can't handle it all at one time. Just keep walking. Just keep walking with him. The truth is found in Jesus. And that's what brings freedom. Knowing him and that truth, he sets you free to live. He sets you free to be all that you're supposed to be. And when you die, he only gives you an upgrade. Who knew? The truth as found in Jesus brings freedom. That's not mere religion. That's not mere, I'm going to include this in religion, self-help philosophies, because they're like religions. Much more. It's, it's, it's more than that. You see, the, you see it right here, right? They answered him. When Jesus says the truth will set you free, they answer him, we are offspring of Abraham, have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Religion. By religion, I mean doing religious stuff to appease the deity. Attending worship meetings, small groups, self-help groups, rituals, Bible studies, or whatever studies that we do in our groups. All kinds of things that are given to us to make our lives better, to improve our lives and well-being. The problem is, if they leave God out, if they leave Jesus the truth out, it's just another way of seeking freedom in the dark without God, without a guide, without the true guide. And that's what's happening. We're, we're, and we're always being pushed to follow or to suck up, even as Christians, to end up going into these things and giving ourselves to these things without God. They didn't really know the truth. And you know how you know they didn't know the truth? These Jewish people in this text say to Jesus, their Jewish Messiah, that they had never been enslaved to anyone. But the Jews had been enslaved to everyone. 
Just their own history. I, it blows me away. Their own history. How could they say this? They were enslaved to the Egyptians, right? That's the whole Exodus motif. They were enslaved the, when they got in problems. The Philistines enslaved them at times. They were in, they were enslaved by the Babylonians. Nebuchadnezzar. This is history. I'm talking now. The Babylonians. They were enslaved by the Syrians, by the Assyrians, and by the Greeks. <laughs> And finally, at the time of the writing, they're actually enslaved under the Roman Empire. How can you say we've never been enslaved to anyone? That's what slavery to sin does to us. It causes us to deny reality. When you enslaved to sin, living in the dark. Jesus is telling them, you, the one, they say, you, we don't know anything about that. He says, if you practice sin, you're a slave to sin. Practice, if that's your habitual way of living. He says, you're a slave to sin. They didn't realize their own slavery. They thought, see, when you're in the dark, you think everything okay. When you're a slave to sin, you, you think everything's fine. I don't have any problems. You got the problem. You religious people, you got the problem. You need the crutch. I don't need no crutch. I don't need nobody. That's the talk of someone who doesn't realize the depth of their own personal depravity. They think all they need is a edu- good education. They, we think sometimes we think all we need is a, is a little extra money. All we need is a, 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 you know, to get a great idea and, you know, and, 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 and be successful. That's the darkness talking. Self-medicating ourselves. Thinking that these things will give us the happiness. If I just had somebody, all I need is just somebody to love. Or, or in some cases, somebody's to love. That's the darkness talking. And we don't even realize because we're slaves, we don't even realize that we're truly in the dark. We say things like, I'm getting better every day. Look in the mirror. You're getting better. You handsome guy, you. You're getting better every day. We talk to ourselves in our mirrors. It's always darkest before the dawn. We got these quaint sayings. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. All these quaint sayings. But without God, without Jesus, without the truth, those things won't save you. They won't save anybody. Just another way of helping us, trying to help ourselves. And when you're in the dark, you can't help yourself. It's only when we come to see that we're in the dark and we don't know. And we admit to God, hey, I thought I had it all figured out, but I really didn't know. Forgive me and help me. That's when the light has come. That's when that ray of light shines down on your soul. Remember years ago, (laughs) my pastor, Dr. Voice, was preaching one Sunday night. And I never forget it. I, went, actually, I, had, I worked in the psych hospital at that time, and a patient I had actually, we began talking as I was doing her intake, and she had been there that same night. And we talked about that. It was really neat. But Dr. was preaching at 10th Church, and the lights go out. 
I mean, the whole sanctuary is huge. It, lights go out, and he kept on preaching. We're all sitting in, sitting there in the dark, and he keeps on preaching. And I'm like, I'm sitting there going, what? Doesn't he see? There was one light on in the whole place above him, shining down on him in the word of God. Oh, I still remember like it was yesterday. When that light, that shaft of light shines in your soul, you realize, I don't have it all together. I, you realize you have been a slave to your own desires, to your own feelings, to your own wants, to your own cravings, to your, you, you realize you were, you were slaves to people's approval. You realize you were slaves to, to wanting more stuff and, and you gotta get more. You realize all kinds of slaveries. You may, you may even realize you were a slave to substance. Who knows? But God begins to show you who, where, who you are really and more who he is. A light shines. They're standing right there and talking with the light and they dismissed him. Jesus said men prefer darkness rather than light. That's our natural state as human beings. We really prefer darkness. But in the grace of God, our Lord Jesus comes and begins shining light. Eyes open. And we become intimate with the truth. And we're changed forever. But there's one last thing that the text shows us before we move on, before we end this morning. Slavery to sin is a deceptive lifestyle. It's deceptive. That's what Jesus is, this, this story is about, this, this image he gives here is about Verse 35, the slave, he, what do we say? first of all, he says, they say we're offsprings. Is, uh, yeah, you're sure you are. Um, everyone who practices, says, he said, the slave does not remain in a house forever. The son remains forever. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Very simple statement, very deep meaning. Think about what he's saying. Both the slave and the son live in, on the estate, right? They both live there. The slave may even have some authority, especially in the kind of slavery of the Roman Empire. Sometimes slaves had authority and responsibility and even some control over the wealth, like stewards. The slave may even, uh, the, but the slave is not a son. Still a slave. If necessary, the slave can be sold. He will not get any inheritance usually. Unless he gets adopted, which, is, which was kind of rare. He may look like he is living large. Because he's in control of some parts of the estate. But he's still a slave. He craves sonship. But he can't have it. Because he's a slave. The son gains everything. The son cannot be sold. The son is actually the master of the estate. If the slave tries to act like a son, he will be rudely awakened. Slapped down, as it were. Sin deceives us into thinking we are sons when we are only slaves. 
You see, we all crave freedom because we were created in the image of God. We were created in the garden to be free and we were truly happy. Adam and Eve were truly happy in the garden, but then something happened. They rebelled against God and and sin enslaved them and, as their descendants, us. And we've we've been looking for freedom ever since. Craving freedom and happiness. You want it. It's in your DNA. You can't help but want freedom. You can't help but want happiness. Amen. But sin and the devil have blinded us to the kind of freedom and happiness we truly need. So we end up settling for sexual freedom, financial freedom, economic freedom, artistic freedom, and the like. We, t- we end up settling for these things that we can get for ourselves. And they are lesser freedoms than the freedom that our Father wants to give us. And we know this is true because when we get those things, we're still not free. We're still not happy. If I get the freedom I think I crave, then I want, I find that I need more of it. Or some other type. People who get, who get money, we lived in Miami, Billy, Pastor, and Sherry, you're in Miami. There's a lot of wealth in Miami. I never forget driving to some, my wife was teaching at this Florida Christian school, and her students would come in first grade, they'd come in crying sometimes. A student, her class, could have been crying. She went, what's the wrong? My daddy moved out. That was common in her class. Fair all that wealth, and the families were falling apart. All that wealth. I mean, people we, who houses had swimming pools, they had, they had waterfalls in them. All that wealth. I remember going to one game. I'm sitting next to Gloria Estevan and her husband. Trying to be, trying to be cool. <laughs> Gloria! Wealth everywhere. And, and we keep telling ourselves that's what we need, right? We need more wealth. We need, we need more power. We need more financial freedom. Well, some of us are saying we need more sexual freedom. We need, it's all about freedom. But when we get it, We're still not sons. We're still slaves. And it doesn't belong to us. We aren't happy. We end up like Cain. Careful, Christian. We end up like Cain. In Genesis 4, the Lord said, remember Cain brings his offering. God says, that's not what I asked for. Your brother, Abel, he brought what I asked for. Here's what happens. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? He's depressed. He's down. He's hurting. Okay. He says, God says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It desires is for you, but you must rule over it. God is saying to Cain that sin is the ultimate crouching tiger and hidden dragon. It's coming for you, bro. 
It's coming for you, Cain. Sin is like that line. It's waiting for you. It's, it's, it's hiding behind the, it's, and as soon as you walk by, if you don't deal with this stuff, if you don't come, if you don't recognize your need, if you don't recognize how you failed and come to me, that's what God, God was calling Cain to, to himself. And, 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 and Cain, he was warning him that if you don't come to me, sin's gonna take you. It's gonna enslave you. And what does Cain do? He sought freedom from his guilt. He sought freedom from his shame on his own terms. So what does he do? He kills his goody two-shoes, brown-nosing brother. Because he thinks by doing that, he will get rid of the guilt and the shame. Maybe somehow, in a twisted sort of way, he thought God would accept him now. But that's the thinking of a slave, of someone in the dark, thinking they can find freedom without submitting to God and his ways. And you know what happened? When Cain killed his brother, he killed himself, really. He began a life of running away from God, practicing sin, living in rebellion. And that life dominated him. Jesus, the light of the world, is the true son. And that son offers us what we need most. Freedom from the tyranny and slavery of sin. Freedom from what's in us that makes us self-centered, that makes us think the world revolves around us and what we prefer and what we like. We all got the disease. But Jesus is the only cure. We only will find lasting happiness in being with the Son and therefore being part of the family. The Son sets us free because he makes us sons and daughters. He adopts us into the family. And now you're safe. Now we're safe. Doesn't mean, it still means we'll be tempted. We'll come back to this next time. We'll still be tempted because like I said before, you know, we're out here and it's all good. And, but it, that cave, you know, I have, I, I, it, the old life has a little bit of interest. <laughs> yes, it does. But you've been set free. You've been set free in Christ. If that's true of you today, you are a son. You belong in the house. You belong in the family. And all the wealth of the Father belongs to you. Every, Paul said, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places belongs to you. Ephesians chapter 1. You don't have to go back to slavery. Some years ago, I remember doing a lot of studies, black church, African-American church history and reading slave narratives. And one of the things that always amazed me was the slave preacher. Um, Yes, there were many slave preachers, actually, many, but several, that's for sure, many. And if you saw Harriet with us, or if you've seen it before, the movie Harriet, you remember the slave preacher? 
and he and that, that clip they show, he's actually t- quoting um, uh, from this from Philemon, I believe, and telling oh, actually Ephesians six, he's telling slaves to obey their masters. And you be good slaves now. You obey your masters, and but on the same time, he was one of the leaders of the Underground Railroad. <laughs> The slaves were always outwitting the masters. They, this, using Christianity, they were destroying and dismantling that system without, the, without people even knowing it. But there, are all, but there were other slave preachers that the movie didn't bring out, but truly existed. And these slave preachers preached that same message. Obey your masters. But they did it because they thought by doing so, they'd be safe from the master's tyranny. They were sellouts. They thought they'd be okay. They thought the master would like them, that the master would support them if they said what the master wanted them to say. Here's the point. They were wrong. They were still slaves. You are never safe with sin. Never safe. You're only safe with the sun who came into your darkness and brought light to set you free. You've got to get to the place in your life where you love light and hate the dark. Because you love Jesus. Because you've been saturated by his love. And you don't want to go back to the dark. Because you found in him light, the light of life. The light of love. The light of acceptance. There's nothing better. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, help us. We are surrounded by the dark, but we are sons and daughters of the king, those who have trusted in you. We are sons and daughters. We have a better better inheritance. Help us to see that. Help us to cherish what you give us. Deliver us from wanting the lesser pleasures of this life. Pleasures without you. Pleasures that focus only on us getting more for ourselves. Lord, deliver us and help us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, trusting you will give us what we need. But more, you've given us what we need to have in Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for life. In Christ's name. Amen.